by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It is Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew along with Janet and Justin from Wyoming Game and Fish Department. And we have made it through halfway through... Uh, November, and we're about to Thanksgiving, and I, I know that there are a lot of hunters that are getting the job done, and Justin, I, I know that we've talked a, a lot about some of the areas uh, outside of Casper, and uh, how how's it looking so far with uh, the kill rate for this, this season? Well, um, you know, I think those hunters that went out uh, have done fairly well. I can tell you, Drew, it's just all in all, it's been a pretty slow hunting season because, you know, like we've talked before with just kind of the way some deer and antelope herds have been performing in, in recent years, um, you know, we're way down on our license numbers. So we're, we're at the lowest level of antelope licenses we've been in decades and pretty uh, conservative deer season. So all in all, it's been pretty slow, but uh, those folks that have been out have, have done fairly well. Um, kind of feel like our wildlife populations may have turned a corner just a little bit. We got a long, long ways to go before we're out of the woods, but there seem to be a few more deer and antelope around this year compared to the past few. When we look at the CWD numbers for this year, will we be surprised? Will it will it look different than any other year in our general area? Well, odds are low. You know, it's a it's a pretty slow moving disease. Um, we you know we put a ton of work in over the past two decades on pretty uh, intensive surveillance in some places, but there are other places where we haven't. And so that's kind of like what we've talked earlier in the year, Drew, we do have some mandatory sampling areas, some deer herds west of town where it's actually fairly challenging for us to get our hands on a lot of harvested deer just because of the nature of, of the way the hunting goes. There's, there's very few licenses. Hunters are picky. They're hard to draw licenses, that sort of thing. So, it's hard for us to get our hands on harvested deer for sampling. This year, we we did have the mandatory sampling, so that's really helped us out. So we're going to learn some things for sure. Um, but unfortunately, the answer to your question is we probably won't be too surprised, and that's because we're still continuing to see CWD at pretty high prevalences around the Casper area, and unfortunately, it's it's gotten worse in some areas. So, And we're seeing that more in deer, right? And not so much the elk. Well, we absolutely see it in, in mule deer and white-tailed deer um, the worst. We do detect it in elk. We've detected it in elk herds in a lot of places around the state. But you're exactly right, Drew. We see it at a whole lot lower prevalence level in, in elk than we do in deer. If an animal that you harvest is infected, is, is there anything you can just tell by the meat where maybe something will be wrong? Absolutely not. So that's the that's the tricky thing about the disease. It's, a, it's an extremely long incubation period. So when it, from when an animal contracts it to the to the point where it starts to exhibit clinical signs that say a human could detect, which means it's salivating excessively, it's skinny, emaciated, you know, droopy ears, not very behaviorally aware um, or alert or anything. We don't really see those symptoms in those infected deer until the last two months or so of their life. So they could have had the disease anywhere from a year and a half to, depending on their genetic makeup, even longer and not show any clinical signs. And the fact is that 
the vast, vast majority of deer that hunter harvested deer that test positive, those hunters are fairly shocked to, to hear that their animal has the disease. They, our lab hears it all the time. Oh boy, it was fat, healthy, happy sort of thing. It was in good shape. And they're surprised to hear that it actually tested positive. So the number of people that may think that they can tell, they, they more than likely can't tell unless they send that in. And it's really a good idea. Even if it's not in a mandatory area, you can submit a CWD test. Absolutely. You know, a lot of what we do our testing for is to find out what the health of the herd is about, whether it's the deer herd um, or the elk herds, you know, that is what the game and fish is after is information for our science on the health of herds. But we also offer for human health reasons, if people are just interested and want to know, they can certainly get their, their animal tested through our um, Wyoming. Um, the vet lab will do it for a fee or the Wyoming department, the game and fish department's health lab will do it um, for free. And so uh, that's a great place to submit it if you're just curious. And of course, that all goes to data that we will use, but we're always looking kind of for those focal areas. So whether you're in a focal area and want to help with science or whether you're concerned about consumption of meat, we're here to help you on that. Um, but, you know, again, it's the same thing that we always say, Drew, um, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we are not a human health agency. And so that's not something that we um, can make a recommendation for people on. We just tell people to go to the CDC or the World Health Organization, the WHO, and and look up the information there. So if um, deer comes back with CWD, it's positive, and the, uh, the hunter gets to decide what they want to do with it from then on. If they decide to dispose of that, can they get... Um, another license or a refund or something like that? No, unfortunately they can't. Um, that's certainly something that's been discussed over the years, um, especially as we formulate our new CWD management plan. But we've, we've really chosen the, the route not to, and it's for a number of reasons. So, um, you know, the way we view things are is that is that a, a big game hunting license, you know, any hunting license for that matter, affords you the opportunity to hunt, but it doesn't, there's no guarantee of harvest and there's certainly no guarantee of meat quality. And the other thing that we can run into is an animal can appear sick and emaciated from a number of different reasons. Um, an animal could actually be deemed inedible for a number of different reasons. I mean, we, every year, unfortunately, you'll, we'll get a call down to a meat processor because there's an elk there that has a broadhead that was stuck in it, but it survived a, an archery shot. And, and then that, becomes like a, a systemic infection and, and, and it leads to infection throughout the meat and therefore the meat's not edible. So that's just one example, but there's a number of reasons why meat may or may not be edible. And so just from the, from just the logistical challenge standpoint, we're just simply unable to offer refunds or licenses or, or carryover licenses for the next year. Um, it would just be a, it would be a real quagmire for us. If someone did say they harvested a, a deer that has a CWD and they decide to dispose of it, can they then go get an over-the-counter tag and a general? No. They, well, that depends on what license they had to begin with. So you're still, you still have to adhere to the licensing requirements that we have set forth in our Chapter 44 regulation. 
And that is that you can only have one license that allows you to harvest a, a male mule deer, a buck mule deer. So that'd be a general license or a limited quota license. You can you can then have a, another, say, a type three license that's valid for only whitetail buck mule deer or whitetail buck deer, excuse me, um, or any combination of doe fawn licenses that we allow you to have. But you wouldn't be able to pick up, say, another general license. And you know, and, and part of the whole the issue with carryovers and things like that too is is I just like want to remind folks, you know, our licenses are getting harder and harder to draw, especially our limited quota licenses. And so um, for mule deer, and and so if we were to go down the road of offering, say, carryover licenses, it would be valid in the next year. Um, boy, that would really impact drawing odds and things like that. And we can't allow a new license for just that year because in many cases, especially with mule deer, our seasons are so short. They they may only be a seven-day season. You may not have your test results back until the season's already over. And so there's just a number of reasons why, unfortunately, we're, we're not going to issue either a refund or carryover or new license. And we always say that if you have questions to contact Game and Fish or because – you guys can sit, and if someone really has questions or concerns about this, you sit down with them and, and explain it to them. And I, I think that's the the part that a lot of people forget about is you guys are here to help. You're not here to ruin people's hunting. And that's that's one thing that I think we really need to to, to push, you know? Absolutely. You know, if you have any questions, and, and I know sometimes that can be hard for people to reach out to the Game and Fish Department because they are afraid of ramifications. So if you are, ask Drew and Drew will ask us. Yeah. So yeah, just just don't hesitate. We do, um, you know, understand that a lot of this stuff can be complicated and that, you know, if you didn't happen to listen to this one podcast or a podcast we did on chronic wasting disease two months ago, you might not know the answers. And so we're we're more than happy to always help however we can. And it's it's a tough thing. We feel for those folks. I mean, Drew, you just showed us a picture this morning of your of your elk that you just yeah. harvested. And you think about all the time, effort energy, money, you name it, that goes into planning a hunt, getting it done, successfully harvested an animal, getting that animal off the mountain, especially with something as big as an elk, and then and then to have it come back and test positive and then have our recommendation be that you dispose of that animal. That's a that's a tough pill for hunters to swallow. We're certainly sympathetic to it. It's it's a it's a bummer. Um, unfortunately it's a disease that that uh, there's not much we can do about it right now. We're trying some things. We'd like to try some more things, but um, it's a challenging disease to manage. When it comes to disposal, is there a proper disposal routine that you have to go through? Or, I mean, just take it to the Absol dump? Yeah, absolutely. Question. It's a great question. and Thanks for asking it. We really, really recommend folks take it to an approved landfill. Take it out to a landfill, take it to the carcass pit, dispose of it properly. Please do not take it out in the countryside and just leave it. There's there's pretty solid evidence that an animal that that is positive for that disease, those carcasses um, can carry those infectious prions for quite a while. And, and they can be a source of potential transmission to, to other animals. So please take it to the dump. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you want more information, you can hit up uh, Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Make sure that you check before you take a carcass to just a, a regular dump and make sure that they will accept it. And, you know, all this stuff we always tell you, if you have questions, ask questions, because why not? You might as well just get the proper information. And I think just a reminder to Drew that 
if people think they're the only one that doesn't understand, they're sort of mistaken. Mm -hmm. We get hundreds of questions a day. There's a reason why we have office managers that are here just to answer questions. So you're not alone in your confusion or, or trying to figure things out. So don't hesitate to ask. We'll think nothing of it. Hit them up, wgfd.yo.gov. If you have questions, there's contact information there. Janet, Justin, thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks Drew. Drew. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Brian and Drew. We're at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Last week, the views were uh, pretty intense where we were up at Cedar Ridge Outfitters. Yeah, we had a great time in the Southern Bighorns, uh, putting some uh, elk on the ground, and uh, they're all being hung. And uh, this next week, uh, I'm going to start processing mine, but I think yours is already out at Dan's and probably be done here this week. Yeah, they uh, they got it in. I got it in on Sunday morning, and they were already starting to the process of it, so it should be ready to go. And uh, you know, man, they're so cool over there. And it's we've talked to them before on the show, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do a segment of the show from there actual meat locker and and while they're doing some some work so it'd be kind of neat yeah yeah i I took uh, the first quarter of uh, one of my animals that i put shot last week and it's already gone through the the lem grinder so uh uh, while i was watching survivor oh (laughs) hey you got it you're multitasker man that's right (laughs) (laughs) and then of course thanksgiving coming up this week so you'll be able to uh you know share some of that with maybe some uh, some friends yeah we uh we're definitely gonna have a a relaxing uh, thanksgiving because uh friday morning uh, we open the doors with the big uh, black friday ad so that's a, a big time and here's the thing is it's not just black friday these sales are going on it's for three days yeah, we're running ours uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, should be some really good uh, promotions, uh, good sales. Uh, we've got quite a few uh, guns, uh, ammo, uh, geez, just just about every, every category you can think of. It really is interesting because there are so many Rocky Mountain Discount Sports all over the state, and everybody's going to have different specials. So mm-hmm. if you're in the Gillette area or you know, you're in a different part of the state, you're going to have to check out the social media. Yeah, definitely go to uh, our Facebook page um, and uh, see what we're going to have there. Uh, I think pretty much every store has got a few special items in each one of their stores that uh, they may have purchased uh, in advance for for this promotion. So uh, we're going to have a standard ad that's going to run for all four stores, all locations, uh, the Gillette, Sheridan, Riverton, and Casper. And then uh, each one of those stores will probably have a little supplemental ad to, to kind of get people in the area uh, pretty excited. How about socks? I know socks are always a, a pretty popular item that go on sale Black Friday. Well, when we were up doing our elk hunt, I, uh, I put my toe through my nice warm pair of socks, and I'm going to have to replace those. <laughs> well, if you would have had a pair of darn tough socks, you would get them replaced for free. That, oh, yeah, man. They're, one of the cool parts about uh, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports is you don't just stick with one brand. You've got that whole selection, especially when it comes to socks and gloves. I mean, you guys got about anything and everything you need. Yeah, you know, we uh, try to keep, you know, a, a good, better, and best uh, theory on all of our products. And so that, you know, a guy that doesn't want to spend uh, smart wool or darn tough pricing, that there's going to be something else that uh, will fit their needs price point. 
but it's really hard to beat a good quality pair of socks, you know. So we carry, you know, Smart Wool, Darn Tough. We carry Wigwam. And then there's two or three other brands. that We've got nice big fluffy socks. If you want to buy your, your wife a pair of socks for Christmas that she can run around on Christmas Day in, um, there's, there's just a lot of great items. And really, unless you spend some time looking, uh, there's so much here that people walk in and go, man, I just didn't know you had so yeah. much. You know, one thing that you guys do have, and Thanksgiving is coming up, and a lot of people are thinking about, well, how am I going to do my turkey? Mm-hmm. Well, you get to the point you got to pull that puppy out of the freezer, so you might as well start thinking about how you're going to cook it, and maybe a Traeger is the way to go. Yeah, you know, uh, I've had a, my turkey on a Traeger, uh, I don't know, six out of the last 10 years, but I kind of still go back to the old Showtime rotisserie. I mean, it just kind of <laughs> never fails me. But this year, I am uh, going to uh, put my uh, tr- turkey on the Traeger, and one of the things that uh, Traeger offers is they offer turkey uh, a turkey blend and so it not only has like a flavored pellets that that, you know kind of the traditional turkey rosemary flavors um, but it has a brine kit with it and so that brine kit you know you open up that bag of pellets you pull the brine kit out you grab like a 55 gallon bucket or 50 a 50 a five five gallon bucket bucket. (laughs) that's a big old turkey (laughs) a five gallon (laughs) bucket and you mix this brine kit in there 24 hours before you throw it on the grill and it helps break down those enzymes of the turkey and boy it's some of the most tender turkey you'll ever have one of the the things that i didn't really know i know we've talked about it before but until you really start researching into the pellets how a certain type of pellet works best for a different kind of meat so if you're doing say a turkey for thanksgiving and then black friday you're going to do an an elk Mm -hmm. then you know you probably want to switch up your your flavors yeah it kind of depends on on how long you're planning on cooking that bird or that that piece of meat because a lot of times if you're just cooking a steak and you're going to sear it and you're going to cook it at you know 350 400 degrees you know you're just those pellets really just work as a a heat source right but you know when you're going to put a turkey on for six or eight hours at 200 degrees and that smoke is just filling up that barrel um yeah those that that meat does really gain a lot of that flavor so um, there's there's all kinds of different rubs. There's different injectables that you can do, especially on those turkeys. Um, there's there's a lot of cool ways to, to to work that meat, especially on that Traeger. It's crazy how you know in detail you could really get when when doing that. But make sure to swing by here, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, Black Friday, Saturday, and then uh, Sunday. I believe they call Saturday is uh, Small Business Saturday, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Small Business. I think you know really promoting a lot of the business is downtown you know those uh those uh, boutiques and gift shops that are down there and and of course we kind of fall in that, that category too being a, a local business so uh we appreciate everyone's support of the past and uh, we'll hope to see you this weekend all right get out here and check it out rocky mountain discount sports and you can start your shopping earlier at rocky mountain sports.com it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors it's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew along with Brian Woodward. Of course, we just talked about things going on here at the store. But, Brian, one thing that I've learned about you from the very beginning is you like to, to show people if they're interested in being in the outdoors, you know, what to do and, and where to go. And you did that with me here in you know Wyoming. I've never walleye fished or elk hunted. And, you know, we've done the, the elk hunt at uh, Cedar Ridge now. Um, but that's just kind of like the, the thing you like to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel fairly fortunate that uh, I've been able to have some of these experiences, you know, all the way from my childhood into my adult years. And um, as time has gone on, I mean, 
I probably don't have as much uh, expertise in a lot of the, the areas as some, but I still like to, to get out there and do it. And, um, you know, Eric uh, Kenyon, my, my neighbor, uh, growing up, and we didn't spend a lot of time together, but he's an adult now and moved back to Wyoming. And uh, we've been kind of talking about, you know, getting out there and doing some hunting. And we were able to take him on his first goose hunt uh, last year, which, you know, to me was kind of fun just watching him, like, and analyze and uh, break it down yeah. and really kind of figure it out all out and like wow this is crazy like we're in foxholes like you know we're, we're, like, <laughs> yeah. we're like ambushing these birds and um and then you know having the opportunity to bring him up here uh to give us a hand with these uh, elk this weekend um last weekend i guess and uh having him uh, out there to kind of experience it i mean obviously when you're with an outfitter i mean it's kind of a different experience you know you you're it's not a diy hunt and you've got probably a few more niceties than you would if you're doing yeah. it on your own. But um, to be able to get them out there and just uh, kind of see, you know, how it can be done and some of the tricks of the trade and the tools that are used, um, kind, of, kind of a neat opportunity for all of us, I think. Yeah, and, you know, what's really cool is, especially being, you know, at the Cedar Ridge Outfitters the, for the first hunt, not only does he get to take a knowledge from you, but then he gets – the knowledge of watching them clean the elk and watching them, you know, like have to go get it. And how do you get it into the truck by yourself and, and all that? But uh, Eric, what do you think, man? Was it a, a, an experience like you've never had before? Yeah, I've never seen nothing like that in my life. <laughs> that, that was professional hunting if I, if, if I could ever, you know, gauge that. <laughs> my, I have a very simple understanding of hunting. Like I've only been hunting for a couple of years as an adult. And uh, so I have a very primitive understanding of hunting. I, I haven't used a lot of the tools. I don't have all the, the buggies and the optics and all yeah, that stuff. Right. So it's really interesting, like, seeing how professionals actually go out and harvest animals. And, and uh, it was easy, but it was also a challenge, and it was a lot of fun. And, and it, you know, it's, Wyoming hunting a lot of times is a lot different, right? I mean, a lot of times when you're, like, early season hunting for bulls, you know, you're in the timber a lot of times, and you're calling them in, and you have that. But as you get later in the season... You know, a lot of those big herds of elk kind of come out of that timber into the flats. They come out to feed. Yeah. And then, you know, you hope that you cover enough ground to find those elk, you know, out of the trees, into the flats, and where you can actually make a stock on them to actually get a, a, a good shot. And, you know, as you got to sit in your truck and watch us, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and we're chasing these elk that are a mile and a half away, you know, we, we took what we felt was the best line of approach. And, did a you know probably mile mile and a half hike down this canyon up and around this side trying to stay downwind of the elk well we didn't see him backtrack us and come up the back side of the ridge so they ended up coming uh right through the area that we had just walked down through. oh yeah and so we had to you know basically we, we spotted the elk back up behind us and turn around and make another mile and a half walk back up the hill and uh, fortunate enough to, to get a couple of good shots off and, and put some elk down on the ground. But um, we, 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 we did as much hunting as, you know, I mean, that uh, we had to get done for the, for, the, for the situation. We had an opportunity earlier where they ran into a little bit bigger herd and they just kind of, you know, high timbered us. Uh, and it was in a, a location that we just weren't going to make an approach after. But um, we, we got some good hunting in. I mean, it was uh, pretty average, pretty typical for this, this type of terrain in this, this country. So, Eric, do you, do you feel that you got that experience? Because you were right with Brian. You didn't have a tag this time, but 
you were making that mile and a half hike and you were, you know, kind of getting the, the tricks of the trade about not being winded and, you know, and, and really kind of learning those steps, you, you feel a little more confident now? I mean, yeah, I feel a lot more confident um, just just watching how you guys do things. And I think I was more excited than you guys about it. I mean, I know that when I saw that herd of elk, it was the first herd of elk I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And uh, I was so excited, but I looked at their faces, and they were just as excited as me. And so I get that feeling. Like, there's something, like, primitive in your blood that, like, I don't know what it is, but it makes your skin tingle. It, it sure does. And, and I'll tell you that that's why most of us – hunt or fish is for the thrill of it and to be able to come up here and, and be on a, a hunt like this I, I know you got a a little taste of the outfitter life and and do you think that's something in the future you'd like to come up and and hunt with tony again oh yeah in a minute <laughs> i would definitely come up here yeah you, was... you, can, you get spoiled real quick you know when you uh have an outfitter that's you know providing a quality hunt like tony did it I, i'll tell you that this was my first elk hunt too. So you and I were in the same boat when we got here that I'd never hunted elk before. I'd hunted deer, I've hunted turkey, I've hunted squirrels and all whatever else. And uh, and I think both of us kind of learned a lot as soon as we got here because we were both kind of absorbing what all the guys that were talking about their own hunts were. And one of the things that I was most worried about coming up here was they kept talking about these big horses and <laughs> you have to ride horses around. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I just don't know. But we didn't have to. But you know, I don't. I don't know about you. But what would you say is the biggest concern you had coming up here, uh, and then now you don't have that concern anymore? Well, you know, one of the one, the things that shocked me the most was when I heard about the price tag that hunters pay to go pay for an outfitter, and you know, and I thought a lot about that. But after going through that, I pay it in a minute. Like that's like a vacation. That was better than a vacation. Yeah, and and if you really think about it, you know, if you break down what the costs are and what you're getting here. You go on vacation, you have to pay for your own three meals every time you're out. And if you're out there for a week, I mean, that's a lot of money. It is, you know, and we've talked a lot about in the past about how different outdoor recreational things just kind of bring people together, right? Like if, if you like to fish walleyes, I'm gonna like talk your ear off about it. I may not tell you my, my lucky yeah. spot, right? My favorite hole, but it's gonna like, connect us in some way that like we're going to have something in common and we're going to be friends forever and what we experienced up there when we came into cedar ridge when we first got there that first evening you know we we were talking to I, I don't remember the gentleman's names but they were brothers you know and one lived in south dakota the other one was living in california and it gave them an opportunity to come together to spend that time kind of like our walleye tournament yeah right? right so if you don't plan it you won't do it but if you have the opportunity to like, you know, hook up with an old high school or college friend, or, you know, maybe it's a brother or sister, or maybe you're going to take your 80 year old dad out and just, you know, give him an experience. Maybe he's not going to hunt, but maybe he, you know, you want him to be there and, and to be able to watch and get behind a pair of binoculars and actually see that herd of a thousand mm -hmm. elk. I mean, it's such a cool opportunity to just be out. And then, you know, talking to Chris from South Africa, he's like, you know, we're up on top of this hill. And we're looking over, and we can see snow-capped mountain ranges in the background, but you just see rolling, rolling hills for as long as you can see. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God, where else in the world can you see for this far and observe this kind of beauty? I mean, it's unbelievable. And, like, when you just stop and look at it, you're just like, 
I'm going to take a picture of it, but the picture just doesn't do doesn't it justice. Do justice. Right. Yeah, and that was half of the pictures that I took today, other than the one of me holding the elk that I got. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I know, I know that it's – you're from Wyoming, right, Eric? Yeah, I was born in Wyoming. Yeah. Wyoming. So have you ever seen anything like we saw, like Brian was talking about? I mean, we were just going where, you know, other than elk hunters, no one goes. There's cows and elk. Yeah, like golf courses have really good views, but like you ain't seen nothing like when you're up in the mountains. Yeah, and, if, and if you go hiking, like you said, you go to, to like the Bridal Trail in Casper, but like yeah, you don't see those types of views. No, no, Bridal Trail, you're in the jungle, you know, you're, un, you're in the trees, you're, in, you're under the canopy. And like when you're out there with all those broad views and mountains in the background, and a lot of times you're looking at your feet so you don't roll an ankle while you're hiking. And then, you know, you get to look up for a second when you're taking a breather and, and it takes your breath away again. Yeah, and it really irritates me to i catch myself looking down walking because you don't want to trip in a hole or whatever but then i get mad so i'm like how can you not be looking up because look out there of what's going on but out of 10 what would you give your experience at cedar ridge outfitters and with brian and 10 times 10 10 times 10 yeah it was a good time wasn't it yeah i'll definitely be back well dude it was nice to meet you and uh, we uh, appreciate you coming out and really like absorbing things and not being afraid to ask questions that's something I think a lot of people worry about. Well, and you, you just have to get out and live life, you know? I mean, you can't be afraid to go do stuff, you know? And maybe you don't know, but, you know, talking to Eric leading into this, like, he kind of overanalyzes everything. He's like, I've watched 167 YouTube videos on, <laughs> you know, like, he's got it documented, like, you know, what he's done and how he's doing it and, like, how he's uh, breaking down uh, the gear and researching it and what's the best pack and this and that. I mean, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, like, don't worry about all that stuff. You just need to go out and live life. If you've never been fishing, go fishing. You know, get the regs, go to the game of fish, talk to them. What do I need to do for hunting, fishing? Learn it, absorb it, find someone that's passionate about it also, and just get out there and do it because, man, life is too short. And especially living in Wyoming, we have so much beauty that people untapped, like, ever, never get to see. Mm-hmm. Get out and enjoy it. Uh, so one thing that I know that I watch a lot of videos about was field dressing an elk again i'd never done that Mm -hmm. but these guys make it look so easy don't they oh yeah i mean boom bang boom done well and i've i've processed a deer before and field field dressed a deer and uh i I used like a handsaw and i'd never even thought to use a sawzall Uh uh-huh yeah like that made things a lot it's a little different when you can drive to the elk and so i mean you can you can pack you know power tools as opposed to a five mile pike back in your backpack yeah we were a little far from the truck to be using the sawzall yeah yeah right well and that's one of those things well what can i leave out of my pack so i can keep that sawzall because we got to have the sawzall it's the work smarter not harder (laughs) yeah it's go to cedar cedar ridge outfitters and let tony do it that's what i'm talking about i'll make sure to write that down in my hunting notebook (laughs) well that's going to do it for the show this week eric thanks so much for coming in be sure to get in and see him at rock Mountain Discount Sports. If maybe you have a late season hunt and you need to get stocked up for it, get over there and check it out. We'll see you next week on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And we're back to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew along with Chad Griffin, of course, Irreverent Warriors. We had Chad in not long ago and Man, it's uh, good to see you again. It's awesome seeing you. When you have someone like you in, that means that something good is about to happen. You're a veteran. You are fighting for veterans. You're helping veterans. You're support for veterans. And 
you've got this uh, the hike coming up. That's Memorial Day weekend, but you're starting to raise money now with a, a cornhole tournament. Oh yeah, no, you know with Reverend Warriors, we're always trying to improve the using the humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and prevent veteran suicide. And got together with the uh, Boomtown Cornhole Baggers Club, and we are throwing on the best tournament Casper will ever see out of the hangar on Saturday. After Thanksgiving, the 25th, we don't have a cornhole tournament. Obviously, at the hangar, they've got the food and they've got some drinks, and you know it's just going to be a full-on day. Oh, yeah. The hangar's providing food for us, keep everything family-friendly, and all levels of play can play. It'll be a blind draw. Okay. So half the money for the registration goes back to IW. We don't have 50-50 raffles. We don't have – I had some awesome – Gifts donated for raffle prizes as well, so we'll have a separate raffle with that. Registration and practice starts at noon on that Saturday, the 25th. We'll start playing tournament right at 1 o'clock, and we're going to have just a blast. Thanksgiving's always a fun mm-hmm. time with yeah. your families. Everybody comes in town Tuesday, Wednesday, get the big meal on Thursday. Got to go Christmas shopping on Friday. Right. <laughs> yeah. By Saturday, you're sitting there going, what do I do now? All the activities starting to wind down from the families. People are starting to go home. What better way to cel- keep the celebration going, getting into the holiday spirit? Come throw some sandbags. And then obviously the weather is going to change by then, so it's going to be cold, probably too cold to go outside and mess around. So you might as well be inside at the hangar. Well, yeah, you might as well. We don't have <laughs> music going on, partying atmosphere. And, you know, the hangar's got football on their TVs. You'll be able to bounce back and forth in between the two venues because we'll be in the the hangar the auditorium part of the hangar not the restaurant right the money we raise is going to go back to our hike in next may for veterans all that's starting to come together really well it's interesting when you think about uh something like a a hike you would think oh there's not too much that goes into it but you want to make sure that the veterans that participate are taken care of oh yeah no we cross my fingers and saying the good good vibes and prayers and everything i got an awesome party plan so far. When we do these hikes, we got shirts made up. We got permits. We got to pay the city. And mm-hmm. the city's really awesome. I mean, I can ask for a better partnership with the city of Casper to, for planning. And unfortunately, some of that costs money. We give our veterans, quote unquote, a swag bag filled with donated stuff and some of the stuff I got to buy. And it's not like I'm raising millions and millions of dollars because we don't need it. We're, we're vets. We're we're happy with a bunch of energy drinks and yeah. give us food. And, you know, those crayon eaters just celebrated their birthday and, you know, the Marines. And uh, they're, they're still full on crayons, but they need some more to eat, to snack on throughout the year. So. Right. The hike is coming up in, in May, but you're doing these fundraisers now because Irreverent Warriors, like you said, is an organization to – Basically lift the spirits of veterans because if you're a civilian, you probably don't know much about what veterans go through. And you yourself have served, you're friends with veterans, so you know the the hard times that, that they go through. And, and maybe just a, a hike and a talk is, is what somebody could, could need just to make it a little further. Well, and that's what we're here for. We want veterans to get together with veterans. Yes, we love our families. We need our families. But sometimes we need that that person that went through boot camp, went through service, went overseas and sat in the sandbox or right. you know, and we want all veterans, whether you 
if you got a W World War II vet here, we want him to come out or her to come out. Vietnam vets, our hikes are casual walks. We're we're walking about a mile, maybe two miles an hour. You're not rucking with a hundred pound bag. No, no, no. We want veterans to communicate with each other. That's our goal because only us know that good humor we sometimes right. have. Sometimes we need that shoulder to cry and go, man. Back in the sandbox, I've seen a lot of stuff I shouldn't right. have. Yeah, and you never know that guy's standing next to you, walking with you. He probably seen the same stuff, right. or she probably seen the same stuff on the boat or wherever they were in service. We all need that person to communicate with. What better way to walk around the town, show off a little bit, say, "Hey, I'm a vet. I'm proud." We're uh, kind of getting back out of a. Uh, our veterans and our service people aren't as respected as some should be. Right. And it's time to get back to letting vets be vets. Be proud that we signed that dotted line. Be proud of what we did. You just got back from Las Vegas. Uh, you actually went out for a, an event with Irreverent Warriors. And it's kind of a, a new uh, concept that's coming on. Yeah. We, well, we've all heard of Comic-Cons and yeah. – Festivals for certain things. Well, this year, Military Times, which if you've served, you, you all read that newspaper or watch that news channel. They put on what they called MCON, Military Convention. And they brought together a bunch of vendors that are specific to the military, veteran-known. Brought in a bunch of great speakers from Grunt Style Foundation, the charity organizations, Military Times. But we did a hike through Vegas, which was interesting, walking down Fremont Street with a bunch of, I think there's probably 60 of us walking underneath the, the lights and the glory of Fremont going, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a better time, and weather was beautiful. And doing these hikes and walks around the country, this that was my third hike to be part of. It fills you back with pride, and it fills your heart with love and joy of being with other vets being with people of the same mindsets mm -hmm. and man, it'll fill you for years and years. So, and that's exactly what you're getting here with irreverent warriors in Casper is that camaraderie that veterans can only really have with veterans. And you got the cornhole tournament coming up and you've got the hike coming up in, in May. So on the cornhole tournament, it's for everybody, public veterans, your families, you want to come out and, Bring your cousin from out of town with you to throw. It's for everybody to enjoy. It's a family event. You don't have to be a veteran to play. Show love and support for all the veteran and irreverent warriors that we have here in Casper. Cool. All right. Uh, how can they get more information? Uh, look me up on the old Facebook, Chad Griffin or IW Wyoming. Uh, give me a call at 913-972-2285. You'll see my flyers all around town. Just reach out. I do want to say a special thanks to uh, John and Lindsay out at HD Outdoors, uh, Equipment Share, United Rentals, and there's a couple more coming on that I can't yet announce, but we will on Saturday as far as uh, major donors to IW and Irreverent here in Casper. Just a big special thanks to some great people we're going to announce at, at Saturday. Okay, well, get out there and check it out at the hangar. The 25th, how much does it cost to get in? $25 to throw. Uh, again, half that goes 
to the prize pot. Half of it comes back to Irreverent Warriors so we can put on the hike next year. Very good. Get out there and check it out two days after Thanksgiving. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.